Hey, fifth graders, I'm here with Fish in a Tree, chapter 12 and 13. Chapter 12. What's your problem, Albert? Light from the hallway pours into my room as my mom opens the door. Hey, honey. Hey, I came in to check on you. You seemed very quiet at dinner tonight. Something going on? Mean kids at school. Oh, Alleybug, I'm sure you had to put up with that. What happened? Well, the kids who were mean? Yeah, I was one of them. Oh, she says with a sigh. I'm surprised by that, Allie. Tell me what happened. Those girls that came into Peterson's that time? Well, they asked me to have lunch with them. I sat at their table, but then they started being mean to this kid named Albert about his clothes. I looked up into her eyes, and I went along with it. I feel bad about it. You're not a little girl anymore, Allie, so it's not too soon to decide what kind of person you want to be. Of course I know what kind of person you are, and I love you for it. You made a mistake, everyone does. Just do your best to make it right. That's all. The words I'm sorry are powerful ones. Yeah, okay, I'll make it right with him. That's my girl, she says, kissing my forehead one more time before leaving. The next morning at school, I'm wondering how I can make things right with Albert. I'm drawing a pigeon wedding in my sketchbook. I don't know that Keisha is standing behind me. You drew that? I moved my arm to cover it. Why would you cover it? If I could draw like that, I'd put a commercial on TV about it. Thinks I mumble. I don't know why I'm embarrassed, but I am. Keisha sits in her chair as I stare at her head full of thin braids, thinking it must take three days to do all that. So beautiful. I just love it. Not like my boring hair that just hangs there. I reach out to touch her hair. She turns to, toward me all of a sudden. What are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry. There was a mosquito. Sometimes I can't believe the things I do. It's like my arm has my own brain. Uh-huh, Keisha says. Just then, Albert walks in and he looks upset. I want to be able to tell my mom that I made things right with him, so I go over. Albert, are you okay? I ask. I have a problem. I'm sorry about the cafeteria thing, I blurt out. His eyebrows raise. That didn't bother me. No need to apologize. It didn't bother you at all to have a table full of people make fun of you? You're kidding. Why would I be kidding? Can it be he really doesn't care what people think of him? We just stare at each other. If that didn't bother him at all, and this new problem really does, then it must be really bad. Maybe it has to do with the bruises he has all the time. Can I help? I ask. No offense, but I don't really think so. Okay, I mumble. It's just a problem that I can't get out of my head. I feel like I won't be able to relax until I find an answer. Do you want to talk about it? I know sometimes when I have a problem, I talk it out with my brother or mom. Even if I don't find an answer, I feel better anyway. Well... I wait. I've just been wondering, if an insect is flying inside a moving train car, is it traveling faster than the train itself? And if the insect flies in the opposite direction that the train is moving in, is it then traveling more slowly than the train? Obviously, if the fly is on the wall, it is moving at the same speed, as long as it isn't walking. But the movement within movement is a puzzle to me. Oh. He turns to me. You can see the problem here. He doesn't ask. He tells. I know he doesn't really think I can help. Who knows if I could possibly figure out the science part of what he's talking about. But my mind shows me the insect in the train car. It's a dragonfly with brilliant greenish blue wings and tiny goggles over its eyes. The car is old with dark wood walls and dark green curtains like from Grandpa's Westerns. And the people have old-fashioned clothes. I see them like they're with me now. Some of the men are sleeping. One is waving the dragonfly off with a newspaper not even noticing its tiny goggles. Ladies with the most beautiful dresses sit there too. 
and I see a girl who is with her mother, and her mother keeps asking the girl if she is enjoying the ride, and the girl keeps saying yes, be sh being sure to have a happy-sounding voice. I don't know everything about that girl, but I do know that she has a lot more to worry about than an insect on a train. She doesn't fit in. She's all dressed up in fancy clothes and has to pretend to be someone she's not. She wants to muck around, help build fences. She wants to ride a horse the real way, not side saddle like her mother insists. When I come back from my mind movie, Albert has already walked away. But I don't care. I can't help thinking about the girl on the train and how she feels. Like she wants to do so much, but she's held back. And it makes her feel heavy and angry. Like she's dragging a concrete block around all of the time. I'd like to help her break free from that. Chapter 13, Trouble with Flowers. It's the night of the holiday concert when we sing about Santa and dreidels and Kwanzaa. The best part is getting a new dress. I stand in front of a mirror looking at my dress and my first shoes with the heel on them. Thinking about the shopping day I had with my mom, we even went to AC Peterson's for lunch. I liked how she stayed with me in a booth instead of having to go wait on other people. I love to sing, but I don't think our music teacher, I don't like our music teacher, Mrs. Muldoon. Max calls her Minefield Muldoon because you can never tell when she'll blow up over something. Oliver calls her that too, but he acts it out by leaping into the air and yelling, Muldoon, as he lands on the floor and rolls. He doesn't stop though. He goes from a roll right to his feet again, like a cat in a cartoon. Shay is making fun of Albert because his clothes don't fit. What's with the pants, Albert? Did you get that outfit in third grade? Keisha whips around. Why do you always try to pull people down? Because some people deserve it. That's why, Shay answers. Deserve to be pulled down? Really? Keisha asks. Albert straightens his tie, which is the only part of his outfit that fits. You know, logically, if a person was to pull another person down, it would mean that he or she is already below that person. Keisha lets out a laugh so loud that Mrs. Muldoon shoots her a look. Keisha covers her mouth and tries to squelch the sound. That is perfect, Albert. Man, you really are a smart dude. She turns to Shay. You, on the other hand, are so low you could play tennis against a curb. Shay's eyes narrow, but before she can say anything, Mrs. Muldoon appears and tells us to line up. For the spring concert last year, before I had a growth spurt, I had to stand in the front row. I liked when Travis called me a dime among pennies, but this year I get to stand toward the back of the line with the taller kids right next to Keisha. I look over at her. I love how she snuck up for Albert. Sorry, stuck up for Albert. She had the guts that I didn't in the cafeteria. I wish I could be braver. We all stand waiting to file into the auditorium. Oh, Mrs. Muldoon, I love your dress, Shay says. Why, thank you, Shay. Your parents have raised such a nice lady. Oh, thank you very much, Mrs. Muldoon. Shay smiles, but when she turns away toward Jessica, she rolls her eyes and she keeps glaring at Keisha. I decide I won't think about how mad she makes me, and I'll think instead about how all the girls get to carry a bouquet of flowers. That's the good news. The bad news is they've all been donated by Jessica's father, the florist. It's nice of him, but Jessica hasn't stopped bragging about it. Mrs. Muldoon walks down the line, handing out the most beautiful bouquets I have ever seen like the ones that brides carry. Dark red ribbons that wind around the stems like a barbershop light pole. Ribbons dangle from the top, from the bottom too. She hands my bunch to me, and I smile thinking of how much my mom will love to see me with them. Keisha leans in to smell them and runs her fingers over the tops of the flowers. 
Then one of the white buds falls off and bounces off the top of the shi of her shiny black shoe. What do you think you're doing? I just... Mrs. Muldoon grabs the flowers from Keisha's hands. No, please don't. I didn't mean... These flowers are a gift, and if that's how you're going to treat a gift with a complete lack of respect and gratitude, then you, Keisha Allman, will be the only girl without flowers. But Mrs. Muldoon, Keisha says, I really didn't... I don't want to hear it. You, have, you will have no flowers, and perhaps you will remember in the future how a lady behaves. See, Shay says to Jessica, people do get what they deserve. I stand behind Keisha, but I wish I could see her face. I wait for her to say something back, but Keisha doesn't say anything. Although I can't see her cry, I hear her sniff and see her brush her cheek with her fingertips. And I watch a mind movie of me being the only girl without flowers marching in to see all the parents. And and the look on my mom's face, how she'd be the only one sad, the only sad parent in a sea of smiling ones and how I'd feel like I was less than everyone else. No one should ever feel like that. I feel my fingertips dig into the center of my bouquet to separate the thick stems. It takes some twisting to work half the flowers out of the fancy ribbon, but I put some muscle into it. Stems crack and leaves and stems crack and leaves and petals fall, spinning into the air landing all around my shiny new shoes. Mrs. Muldoon has turned around to stare. Her mouth is open wide enough for a bird to build a nest in. I hold her gaze as I hand the flowers to Keisha. Well, she can have some of mine then. In the end, neither of us had flowers when we walked into the auditorium, but we had bigger smiles than anyone else. All right, scholars, that's it for our read aloud podcast today. Please head to Seesaw to check out your assignment for today. See you on Friday.